Welcome to Fearless Marketing for Life Coaches. I'm Simone Gray Soul, and I'm here to teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without paying for ads, buying Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and I promise you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Hey friends, today I have on the show my colleague and friend, Karen C.L. Anderson. She's an author and master certified life coach who helps women use the troubled relationships they have with their mothers or their daughters as a catalyst for growth, empowerment, wisdom, and creativity. She's the author of actually so many books that I like literally can't list them all. The books that she wrote that just came out this year, they're called Dear Adult Daughter with the emphasis on adult as well as overcoming creative anxiety, prompt and practices for disarming your inner critic that also came out in just last month of this year. So since she is a specialist in helping women heal from mother-daughter relationships, she also happens to be really well-informed in trauma. And in my many conversations with her, she had such amazing insights, both as a longtime author and a coach. And a coach who does her own marketing and selling about how trauma impacts our nervous systems in a way that really affects how we show up in our coaching, in our businesses. And what we ended up having was such a rich, honest, and raw conversation unpacking all of that. And if you ever felt overwhelmed, anxious, frozen in your, you know, working of your business, and you had processed feelings of, you know, shame and inadequacy around that, I think this episode is going to be incredibly illuminating and useful and actually very comforting. So I'm so excited for you to listen and you'll walk away with amazing insights and immediately applicable, pragmatic advice and tools for how you can show up as the most powerful version of yourself. Go ahead and listen. I have... Karen Anderson. Do you do I have to say Karen C.L. Anderson? Yes. <laughs> okay. Please. Karen C.L. Anderson, yes. All right. Karen C.L. Anderson on my show. And I am just delighted to be able to lend her brain to, to you for a while today. Love to ask you to introduce yourself. My name is Karen C.L. Anderson. And over the years, I have explored self-acceptance and self-trust, and that then sort of turned into coaching. I discovered coaching through a friend of mine who had, back in the very early days of the Life Coach School, and Brooke Castillo, had, I thought, you know, maybe that would be a cool thing to sort of add to my resume. Because um, up until that point, I had thought of myself primarily as a writer. It was during training, doing not just the regular life coach school certification, but then the, the master cert coach certification, where all of a sudden I came face to face with all of my mother issues. And it's not like it was a big surprise. Those issues were there. I knew they were there. In fact, in 2010, I had divorced my mother and I found myself face to face with those issues and realized how much growth and transformation was possible when I decided to really look at that relationship and take responsibility for my side of it, if that makes sense. It's been this journey since then, and I have written several books about that journey, really delving into 
why do so many women struggle with their mothers? And recognizing that it's not just, oh, yeah, your mom's a narcissist or she's got borderline or she's, you know, addicted or, you know, it really is a humanity issue. You know, why you asked me to come here in the first place was about trauma and understanding that basically, and this is something I think I understood as a child, but couldn't put words to that we've been traumatizing each other humans for forever. Yeah, let's jump right into the meat over here. <laughs> it's like no small talk. Just go right into the trauma. Yeah, like, like, yeah, that's like what I do. It's intense, you know? And, yeah. but at the same time, recognizing that I had my own trauma to heal and repair. The most recent little aha that I had is that shame keeps us in immature energy. Oh, uh, yesterday. You just said I there, yesterday. There is so much to unpack in what you just said. So I'm just, I want to keep listening to you, but I'm going to pause and try to unpack where we can a little bit. So people think of trauma, you know, the, the lay person thinks of trauma as something really big and dramatic happens, some, you know, something big and dramatic that happens in one incident, right? And they, oh, yep. there's your trauma. But as you said, I think so many of us are are traumatized. Well, that does happen to a lot of us, right? There's like a significant event of abuse or um, trauma of, of some kind. But for most of us, though, there are much more subtle forms of trauma that happen to us when we grow up, you know, often by our family members. And then we, I mean, I hate to say it, but you're right. Like we traumatize each other in low key, subtle ways just in life. And I asked you to have this conversation with me for my podcast, because I think that trauma really impacts when it's not looked at, when it's not, I don't want to say treated only because I'm not a clinical professional, but when it's not looked at with Humanity. With humanity and care and, and wisdom, it can really hobble you. It can really hold you back. And as you said, it can trigger so much shame in your everyday life that immaturity, right? You say like it, it, it keeps us like, I don't mean that in a judgmental way. And I know that you no. don't either, right? right. It, it keeps us showing up less than we are capable of. And I think that a lot of times when people think, cause I'm a marketing coach, when people think they have a problem with marketing, they think they're bad at it. And all the things I teach, like just show up as yourself and tell the truth and all these things, when they have trouble with it, they think they're bad at marketing. When they're not bad at marketing, they're brilliant, and they have un, undealt with trauma. And, there's a, and that also layers on another layer of shame because it's like, oh, no, I'm bad at marketing, so like, there's even more shame. But no, right? It's the recognition of this, of the existence of trauma and how it's impacting you and how it's not has nothing to do with your capabilities as a coach or as a businesswoman, I think, is in itself a fir- huge first step. What are your thoughts? One of my favorite definitions of trauma, which helps sort of like, I guess, level the playing field or whatever, is understanding, and I didn't make this up, I I don't know who did, but I've heard many trauma specialists talk about it this way, is that trauma is anything that to your particular nervous system is too much, too fast, or too, and I'm going to forget what the other one is. (laughs) Okay, that's already Um, pretty good. Yeah, it's like too much, too soon, too fast. Mm. Too much, too soon, too fast. And when your nervous system, and again, everybody's nervous system is different. Yeah. 
And so anything that your nervous system perceives as that is right. going to be a, a trauma. And, and the, again, the vernacular is that there are big T traumas, like being a soldier on right, a battlefield right. or in a mass car, car accident. Right. Yeah. Car. And then there's small T traumas, which are these little things that happen. And, you know, we might look back and it's like, well, that wasn't really anything, but I, you know, my nervous system is now jacked up because of that. Totally. And it's important not to discount your trauma just because it's little T trauma. Right. And I think when you do discount it, you end up sort of doubly shaming yourself, gaslighting yourself. Like, Oh, why are you reacting like this? You should be whatever. It shouldn't matter so much. Right. I think for those of us coaching, uh, and uh, marketing in social media spheres, I think every one of us has had experiences where there's a comment and you read it and then (laughs) your nervous system just gets jacked up, right? And those experiences, when they, I, I, I swear, Karen, and this happened to me two years ago where there would be just a few instances like that where we would read a message, a, a comment or something online directed at us. And if, it's not anything, you know, dramatic in the grand scheme of things, but to us, it was so hurtful. It was so triggering, so shame inducing that it's enough to shut us down in really big ways. And I, for that reason, like just hid from showing myself as a coach and sharing my thoughts for years because I didn't feel safe. And, you know, one of the things that I like to teach, and I'll just teach it right now, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Is, and again, like I am not a clinical person either. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, I don't even play it on the internet. (laughs) Um, But here's what I know that, you know, basic nervous system 101 is that we have our sympathetic and our parasympathetic nervous systems. The parasympathetic is the in healthy when we're healthy and like online, you know, in a, in a healthy way. The sympathetic is the foot on the gas. It's the inhale. It's ah. the activation. It's the gathering of energy. It's the you know, I'm motivation, right? It's like the, the will to, to go and do, right? That, and, and it's physiological and emotional. The parasympathetic is when it's healthy, you know, healthy rest and digestion. Um, the release, the exhale, the foot on the brake. And what's fascinating about it to me is that it's, when we talk about release is that it's, for example, for women, when we ovulate, it's the parasympathetic system that allows the ovary to release the egg. Mm -hmm. It is what allows us to poop, (laughs) right? Like very important. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It is really important, (laughs) but so it's physiological. And what really tied all this together for me was understanding that there are also emotional cues that go with each state. And that when we can understand that, you know, like, again, in coach world, we're taught your thoughts create your feelings. And I do agree with that. But I also know that our nervous systems also create our feelings. Yeah, our, our feelings create our thoughts. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's like a, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I don't need I don't, we don't need to like, you know, argue against the model to just just state like the plain, like literal scientific fact 
that right. our nervous system will often have a response before our cognitive brain does. Exactly. And that response will impact the cognitive brain. It'll create thoughts, right? So I think it definitely works that way too. But what's interesting is that, especially for women, we learn early on that the sympathetic, which is associated with fight or flight, when we perceive threat, right? And the key word here is perceive. Women learn quickly that fight or flight doesn't necessarily work for us. And again, understanding that the perception of threat, right? Like, and again, like in coach world, we often talk about the lion in the jungle, but like in our modern world, there is no literal lion in the jungle, but our except for our thoughts and that perception will trigger what happens though. I think, and again, it's not across the board. It's not like a monolithic statement. It's, you know, and, and we have both is that women tend to default to the parasympathetic, which is freeze, dissociation, collapse mm. as, a, as a way to survive. Mm. So it's like, is right? it, okay, generalizing wildly, it's like men tend to go and fight and women tend to withdraw and hide. Correct. Again, and it's, you know, <laughs> getting back to my subject matter of mother-daughter relationships, what I understand now is my mom's default is fight. Right. And like, yeah. I understand now that like oftentimes when I'm in a conversation with my mom, it's like, before I understood this, like, Oh wait, our nervous systems are having this conversation, not the two humans. Oh, that's so interesting. That often right? that happens online too. Right. Like you see this all over the place where there's like yeah. fights or arguments in comment sections. It's like, well, it's not really people's intelligent brains. It's nervous systems fighting each other. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, so what's interesting, what helped me so much was to understand the emotional cues that happen as our nervous systems are being triggered. Mm. And when we are in that parasympathetic response, the first thing we might notice is like a little bit of disorientation or confusion. Right. I'm so confused. I don't know, like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, and then it moves into. Would it be like, fair to say that to, to when you say dissociate, is it kind of like, I don't know what to say next. Like, I don't know what's yeah. going on. Like normally we're all smart people. We know what's going on. We know how to organize our experiences. We don't know. How, we, we do know how to make decisions. And then suddenly it's like, what, what? Like, is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah like and deer we are in headlights sort of feeling. Confusion. Right. Exactly. Deer in the headlights. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it can escalate from there to hopeless and helpless and overwhelm and, you know, in, in an extreme case, like, like actual physical collapse. I mean, mm. you know how you hear about people like they faint mm. and they lose control of their bladder and their bodily functions, right? That's like the yeah. extreme and, you know, side of that. Right. But there are emotional cues. And when we, I mean, again, what was so powerful to me was like, oh, wait a minute. Like when I'm feeling a little bit confused, it's not because I'm a jerk and I'm a pathetic loser. Right. <laughs> like, pathetic loser is like my, one of my very old identities, but it's not that it's like, oh, my nervous system is, has taken over. Then like the mature Karen can come in and be like, this is just your, your nervous system. I love the way you laid it out. It's so, it's so brilliant and so simple to understand as well. And I think like in marketing, what often happens is that 
for so many people who are just starting out, and even if they're not starting out, the idea of, you know, because it's all based on like sharing, like marketing, you have to go and share, you have to speak, right? And the whole experience of sharing especially as I teach like authentically, right? <laughs> saying your truth, just the idea of getting up there and saying something in public, in, on social media, in an email, whatever, it often triggers the experience of, of the, the parasympathetic nervous system response where you actually literally, so many of my clients tell me verbatim, like I think about posting and then I just freeze. Mm-hmm. Free, like freeze. Yes. They literally say I freeze like, or, or I, th- I think, Oh, I should, I should talk about this. I should post about it. And then I go to type and then I freeze. Yeah. And that's their nervous system alarm bell ringing, being like, not safe, not safe, not safe. Right. And, and, you know, shame and despair are also sort of on that parasympathetic wave or that parasympathetic activation, if you will. Yeah. So then conversely with the sympathetic side you will know that you're being activated when you start to feel a mild annoyance mm. or frustration right and those are those are cues those are emotional cues that okay maybe i'm being activated on that side how does that show up online from what you see oh gosh i hadn't thought of it um i mean i guess like personally, it would be like, you know, I post something and then somebody like doesn't understand or doesn't get it. And then they post something and I'm like, that's not what I meant. Right. Right. Like Like defensiveness, like defensive. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, it ramps up from there to like anger and you know, rage. Right. And so like in the extreme, it's, it's helpful to, I, I think it's helpful to understand that you know, there is a, uh, what do you call it? Like a range or a continuum of responses on both sides. Totally. And I think that a lot of people have the experience of social media being like, quote, unhealthy. And um, I say quote, because, you know, we're coaches, we say, you know, your, your thoughts create your feelings. So you can, at some level, you can choose to have whatever experience of social media you want by the thoughts you choose. But at the same time, it is true that on social media, a lot of people are just kind of like unloading from their nervous system, just <laughs> you know, like they're, they're lashing out like at the world or against their own lives on social media and people with sensitive nervous systems, they will just be exposed to a lot of that on their feed and it will feel like an assault. I mean, I remember back before Facebook, back before social media, but we still had an internet and there were like online message boards. I was actually part of this, part of this, uh, this was like before 2000, there was an America online. I don't even know if you're old enough to remember. I do that. remember that. <laughs> I am old enough. <laughs> AOL. Yeah. AOL. There was this message board for second wives hmm. and it was, so it was for women who had married a man who had been married before, which that's me. And I was like such a baby, like in that, regard. And I'm not saying that shamefully. I'm just like recognizing like, and these women, you know, I mean, and I, I I was like, (laughs) always like activated into this like shame place, you know, like it was, it was crazy. What were they saying? Like, were they all angry? (laughs) 
Well, you know, and it was like, you know, because a lot of us were stepmothers, mm. right? And didn't have children of our own. And it was just like this constant, like, attack of the bio mothers and the stepmothers and the, like, you don't, you know. But, but a lot of, but, but that we're talking about AOL in like the 90s, probably, yes. right? But we don't Before really we to... understood any of this. What's different now? I don't think that much is different. It's about politics. It's about vaccines. It's about COVID. It's about this and that. It's about Black Lives Matter. It's like everybody's nervous systems all over the place. And, and I think that's why people find the social media triggering. Again, like I, I said in the beginning, like I'm these days, it seems like with everything that's happening, I'm just, I'm learning so much. And I, you know, I love to learn and being, uh, you know, on the older end of the spectrum of, of life. Um, I, I find myself very much drawn to younger people and people who are different from, from me. And there's a man who I think a lot of people are starting to learn about. His name is Resma Menachem. And he wrote a book called My Grandmother's Hands. And he was also interviewed, I want to say a few months ago on the Krista Tippett show called On Being. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. Okay. <laughs> I just dissociated for a second. <laughs> um, Always happens to me. Yeah. Right. So, what was the what was? Wait, wait, the, wait, hold on. Can we make this a teaching moment? Yes. Because we talked about this, you and I, right? Yeah. Okay. There will be moments, especially if you're. I mean, I don't know if your nervous system is. Like, That's a little bit, right? Because yeah, I mean, we're having an interview, right? We're recording. Yeah. And then, guys, like, this is so important. Things will happen when during coaching, during interviews, <laughs> during lives, you will dissociate. Yeah. And you're like, I just forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. And then if you don't know what's going on, because Karen and I have already talked about this like before about how this happens. And Karen, from if I remember correctly, um, you told a story about how you caught yourself and you're like, you you were in a coaching session or something. You were. I was in a group in a group thing. Ah, was ah yeah, and then and then you were like, you know what, guys? I just dissociated for a second. It's no big deal. Let's keep going. And then somebody else was like astounded that you just like processed it in real time without drama. Well, it wasn't even that. I think it was. I think what struck that person in that moment was that there's nothing to be embarrassed about when you right. have. It struck like, that person it, that you weren't embarrassed. Exactly. Yeah. Because like, you know, again, like when we hear the word trauma, it's such a loaded word. And, you know, all right, here's something that triggers me <laughs> in a funny kind of weird way is like when I talk about trauma on the internet, people will inevitably like do little sad faces, you know, the I'm little so sad sorry about and it's like, no, like, no, don't be sad. Like, yeah. if you're sad for me, you're probably unaware of your own trauma. <laughs> right? It's like, it doesn't have to be this like, oh, tragic sad. thing. Yeah. 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 So I like normalize I, and, and normalizing it, right. Yes. Helps everybody's nervous system. So that's why I'm not going to edit this out where you dissociate. And if you come back, if you remember it later in the conversation, well, you can obviously say, say it. And if not, then you can just let me know later and I'll put it in the show notes because this happens to me too. And the thing is, I think it's just a nervous system overload sort of thing where I'll be in a, cl a, a client call or I'll be doing something like this where I'm in front of people and I will, my brain will just go blank. And in that minute, 
if you get embarrassed, if you start to think, oh no, oh no, like what are they going to think? I'm like, what's wrong with me? Then you will just make it so much worse. Whereas if you just say, if this is a thing that happens, I just associated for a second, I lost my train of thought, it'll come back to me. What's next? <laughs> right? Exactly. This is, this is humanity. Right. <laughs> I'm so glad this happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't really, I didn't make it up. Like it really happened. No, I know we didn't stage this. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> It'll come back to you. I can't even say the name of that you said earlier to remind you. Cause I'm like, Resma Menachem. he, and again, like his voice right now is so needed in, in, what's happening in the world. I mean, racism wise, but just, he's such a wise voice. And I just, I guess I'm just like, my whole point was to just get his name out there to more people. All right. Well, go check him out. I'll, I'll, I'll find the link and put it in the, in the show notes since Karen says we need him. I trust you, even (laughs) though I don't know anything about him. All right. Great. Um, so what are, so we talked about a few ways that trauma shows up in marketing. Um, are there things that we haven't thought, we haven't discussed yet about how trauma shows up in marketing? That just again, I think it's really important to reiterate that when you feel yourself feeling stuck, mm. like I'm stuck or I'm um, I'm confused, I'm stuck, I'm confused, I'm, I don't like yeah, or shame, I right? Feel, like yep. the next level up. Um, that's just an opportunity. So an opportunity to repair, Mm. right? Like here, can we give some tips? Yes, please. One of my favorite exercises, and this is not something I made up. It's something I learned from someone else. Um, and you can Google it and it's like the somatic experiencing Institute or whatever it's called. This is like one of their go-to methods or whatever you want to call it is to chant the syllable Vu, V-U or V-O-O, kind of like Om in yoga. Um, you want to be able to express it so that you feel it down in your gut. Okay. Can you demonstrate and it for us? I will. Okay. And what's fun, what's fun about this is, let me just set this up, is that when we are in the parasympathetic, like if we're, if we're tending to default to the parasympathetic, hopeless, helpless place, this exercise or this practice, I hate calling it an exercise, it is a practice, um, helps us activate the sympathetic side. And what I love about it too is that um, I love the expression that you can also see parasympathetic uh, as predator energy and parasympathetic as prey energy. Mm. And again, activating sympathetic doesn't mean you're going to like go out and kill people, (laughs) right? It's not, but that like what it does is it makes you alert like a mama bear, right? Like, you know, um, and, and I love this analogy of, you know, a mama bear or a mama tiger or a mama lion out there wherever they live with their babies, right? And they're not over there like, Oh my God, is my baby going to like run out into traffic or, you know, they're, they're not worried. They're not mm. stressed out. They're just alert and they're hanging out. And they're, if the cubs like get out of line a little bit, like, Oh, come on back. You know, right. the energy right. is there for them. Mm-hmm. And I love that analogy because I think a lot of women can relate to that. The right? mama bear. Absolutely. The mama bear. And so this, this practice helps 
activate that energy. Oh, that's so good. And so I'm going to do it right now. What's fun is that you can just do it plain. You can do it with snarling face and you can also add like, and obviously people can't see us, but like hand clawing motions. Okay. Clawing motions with your hands. Okay. Because this does activate the facial nerves, Mm. right? It's all connected. It's all connected. It's gut. It's okay. Let's do it. I'm so curious. Okay. You ready? Yeah. making like vigorous claw motions at the same time. It's so funny. <laughs> Wait, just because you can't see the see my screen, I want to narrate everybody. Karen is making this face, like ferocious mama bear face, and she's going, Woo, and then she's making these claw motions. And I just want you to imagine this, like, <laughs> and maybe we'll like put up a video somewhere so people can actually see it. Like, it's weird. I love it. Every time I do this and I do it with my clients, it's so funny because people are like, oh, do you like practice every day? I'm like, I just do it with my clients whenever I have sessions and like it helps, it helps me too. Like it's mm-hmm. like, and I'm having just done it, I can literally feel the sensation. I mean, I only did it for like a second and a half, but I feel like a vibration in my body that- I feel like on the surface of my skin of like- Same, same. Okay, I'm going to ask you to record like- like a 30 second video doing this. And I want to link it in the show notes if you don't mind. Okay, let's do it. Okay, great. All right. I think that would be so great. Like I've never, I've never heard of this practice before. So I have a book that came out in January and it's called the difficult mother daughter relationship journal, a guide for revealing and healing toxic generational patterns like blah, blah, right. Mm -hmm. But in that book, I outline that exercise and a couple of other exercises that help us get back into our bodies. And what I, you know, over all the years where, you know, I've done yoga or I've been in therapy and no one ever explained to me that like, oh, this is what happens in your nervous system. And when you do these exercises, like when you do yoga and you do certain things, like it's actually affecting your nervous system. Hmm. I'm like, oh, if I don't know that, like, it's not just some like, oh, I'm going to be like mindful right? It's like, this is actually affecting my nervous system. It like helps you heal your trauma. Right. Right. Or at least manage it. Like it sounds so basic, like doing all the like mindfulness yoga, whatever affects your nervous system. Like it sounds so basic, but also it's like people don't connect the dots in a obvious enough way enough. At right? least I didn't. I, I, I agree. Same with me. Like, like, why am I doing this? Like if I knew like, oh, this is going to like help you not feel so helpless. <laughs> okay. This is actually a great segue into what I want to talk about next, which is if you have zero history of like marketing, if you have no social media presence, if you're not like out there in the online world and you first begin to, you are learning, your nervous system has to acclimatize, is that, is that the word? Acclimatize itself to incrementally greater levels of exposure and to communication with the outside world. And all of that can be very triggering. Like you have to let your your nervous system acclimatize it. And I have to say like this has been, 
I don't want to say a failing, but it's 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 been one of my blind spots uh, so far that because I spent just spent so long, like I've been online forever and I've just been hanging out forever that I forget that for somebody who's new to Facebook, new to Instagram, new to TikTok, whatever, it can be just to start to carve out a place for yourself and to talk to people and to just just to hang out can be a lot on their nervous system load. And if you are experiencing what feels like sort of like low-key trauma in the way that Karen's experience, uh, Karen described it, please you know, acknowledge to yourself that that's what's going. It's not that you're a pansy. It's not that you're not meant for social media marketing. It's that you get to acclimatize yourself slowly. And I definitely did acclimatize myself slowly. It took me years and years of being online to feel safe and at ease. And, and, and to be very clear, I don't mean that it has to take you years at all, right? But, but I'm, I'm just saying, if you are experiencing it as if it's giving me a freezing response, it's giving me, it's triggering shame, it's triggering anxiety, like it's not you. It's not you. It's your nervous system and you can change it. If my listeners are experiencing the freeze reaction, the parasympathetic reaction, um, what are some other ways they can, or what are your thoughts on on how to be self-caring and self-responsible? So, you know, there's a, and I, I don't know who said it first, but I've seen it said many times in many different ways, which is your trauma is not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Hold on. Pause for dramatic impact. I think it's so good. <laughs> I'm going to say it again because it's so, so good. Your trauma is not your fault, but the healing is your, responsibility. your responsibility. And when it comes to the word responsibility, I have, I have like a long history with that word of like not liking that word until I finally understood that, you know, responsibility is... And it's funny in coaching language, like I don't have to be responsible for my actions. I just have to be responsible for my thoughts and my feelings because that will automatically then impact my actions. Right. Mm -hmm. But for someone like me who at one time felt completely helpless, knowing that I could start to just sort of look at my beliefs about myself rather than be like, Oh, I'm supposed to change my actions how can I work with who I am? And another sort of like very recent um, thing that I've, that I like to teach and that I, I need to, I am constantly practicing myself is the idea of loving myself, not despite, not even though, but because. I think that this practice is radical. If I like loving myself because I screwed up because I'm a racist, because like all, like all the things, right. There's so much that we can choose from right now because I acted like a jerk on social media <laughs> or because I didn't know what to say or because like, because like, like loving myself because. Wait, hold on. So for, if somebody's listening and being like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. How can I love myself because I'm a racist? Wouldn't that be like condoning my own racism? Like, what would you say if somebody had that reaction? Compassion is the antidote to shame. When you love yourself because you calm your nervous system, right? There's no conditions anymore. There's so no is, condition. it, is it really, is it more like um, you, I love myself because I'm a racist, not because I love 
that I'm racist. a ra- racist, not that I, because I love racism, but because I love myself who is a flawed, imperfect human. Like I love myself because I'm human. Is that yeah. sort of what you're getting at? Right. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, all of the isms and all of the shoulds and all of the things that help create trauma right? All of the Mm. systems that have created trauma for so many humans is about not loving ourselves. It's a conditional love. I can only love myself if I'm a perfect non-racist, you know, like skinny, white, young, blonde, young, rich, right, (laughs) right, right, right. So, so narrow definition of what's acceptable. Right, right. So the reason you should love yourself, if even if you or, or because you're a racist, is because it's like it's like a radical act of like self acceptance. Because really, if you think about it, the alternative is you look in the mirror and every single time. It's like, well, I don't accept myself. I don't love myself because I'm a racist, and that's gonna produce that nervous system response in you, and that's not gonna make you very useful in the world for like anything. It's not a place you can grow from. That's not a place where you can learn from. I think when we, we, when we're in shame a lot, it's immature energy. It's immature energy. And if you want to grow in your anti-racism work, if you want to grow in awareness, you have to marshal your most mature energy. You have to like, you have to really inhabit the full extent of your own maturity and wisdom and resourcefulness. And that is simply incompatible with like steeping yourself in shame. It's just mutually exclusive. And it brings it back around to what I was going to say when I froze before. (laughs) It's back. Who talks about, you know, and again, like, yes, he's looking at this through the lens of race and black bodies and white bodies and what he calls police bodies, but that the work of settling our bodies, of repairing trauma, right, helps us become more human more humane. And again, like I'm trying, I don't meet, I don't want to necessarily just have this all be through the lens of race, race and what's happening now, but because it also translates, I think, to how we show up on social media, how we market our businesses, how we are as coaches, right? Is that it requires a maturity. And I am still, I'm at 50, almost 58 years old, learning how to be mature in my nervous system. Yeah. I don't think you're done learning until you're dead. Yeah. No. The idea that maturity is not necessarily having like a purpose, perfect speech and on Ted, the Ted stage or, you know, the perfect sales page or the perfect or never dissociating. Right. Like it's, it is in your nervous system. So many of us are traumatized for a variety of different reasons and are living from those, res- that, those, those threat responses, right? The perceived threat response. And that's not a mature place. Doesn't, and, and when I say that, it's not like, oh, yeah, you're so immature. No. Right. right. I mean, you know, and it's, just, it's a place to start looking at you know, like how you can like compassionately parent yourself almost. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And that gets back to my own, like my little, my niche, right? Of mother-daughter right. relationships. Yeah. Of remothering. I had this bad mother and I, I need to like, no, this is like remothering the world on some level. Totally. When you mother yourself better, you can remother the world. And I want to be very clear, clear here of what Karen and I am talking about. We're talking about this is not about like, oh, trauma impacts us in so many ways. We've all been traumatized. This is not an invitation necessarily to go like back to the past and like digging, oh, what happened to me when I was 12? Yes. Like, you can do that, but that's not necessary or required for us to like move towards more compassionate self-parenting, more maturity, more self-caring, self-responsibility. Like it's enough to just notice what's going on in the present. And actually, I think the only way you can work on your nervous system is in present time. You can't go back to your 12-year-old nervous system and change that, right? Because right. everything is happening in present time. You don't need to go back and digging. Like, I mean, if you want to, you can. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big pity party. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, we don't need sad faces. <laughs> no sad faces. Exactly. And if you're already aware of what Karen and I are talking about, because we just talked about it, um, and you might have your own insights on this too, then I think you're already, you know, your awareness is already so far, you know, above the average person's. And um, that's where all of the growth starts. And that's like the opposite of pity worthy. It's like, that's when we begin to really be in power. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so <laughs> profound and useful and honest and compassionate. And I can't thank you enough for the gifts that you've brought to this conversation, Karen. Well, you know, it's, we're being human. That's right. That's the most powerful thing we can do. <laughs> yeah. No perfection necessary, only you know, awareness and, and the willingness to just grow in your capacity to have self-compassion, grow in your capacity to love yourself because all of this work can happen incrementally. And as you market your business, I think that it's, it's a sacred responsibility, responsibility to take care of your mind, of your nervous system, and to, to place boundaries where they're necessary and to challenge yourself to grow where necessary. Because when you model that, that's so powerful for other people to witness. And that's where you can be the most powerful coach for your clients as well. There's no failure, just practice. That's right. Thank you, Karen. I will link to, I don't know, you have so many books. You have like an author page probably, right? Yes. Uh, I'll link to Karen's um, pages in the show notes and hopefully we'll, I'll have her back at some point. And uh, thank you again. Hey, coaches. Hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, Karen was gracious enough to actually record a three-minute video instructing us how to do the Vu Mother Bear practice just for us. So I'm going to include the link to that as well as a link to her website and more information about her in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. Something else I want to tell you is that for most of us, the trauma that we experience is always happening in very subtle ways that we can effectively coach ourselves on using the you know thought tools the energy tools that we all have in our pockets as coaches and if you suspect you know if this conversation really you know rings the bells for you and if you suspect that there's stuff that maybe is deeper that you really want to work on i cannot recommend more highly working with a trauma coach 
There are fabulous coaches who specialize in helping you heal from trauma, childhood trauma, all forms of it. And if you listen to Karen and if you really resonate with what she's saying and her specific approach, you know, helping people with mother-daughter relationships and related trauma, go check her out, hire her. And I will also include the links of some trauma coaches that I personally happen to know are very effective. Um, I'll include their links in the show notes so that you can investigate this possibility for yourself. And I think it's really, really worth it. Just because we're life coaches, it doesn't mean we're human. Just because we're life coaches, it doesn't mean that we don't need help and that getting support in this specialized way can't help us thrive in such bigger ways in our own lives. So let's, you know, practice what we preach and get the support we need. That's what we believe in as life coaches, right? All right, my friends, I will talk to you next time with more topics on fearless marketing. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful week.